What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Milikov! Baby Habes! Uh, this podcast out on a Wednesday of... Uh... Well, the College World Series is going on, John, and the Women's World Cup. So there's that. And that's about it. No. That's what everyone else will tell you. Not on this pod. I think we're putting out four podcasts next week. Woo, 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 woo! Monday, right. Tuesday, Wednesday, I think Friday maybe is the schedule right now. I don't know about you, but I've just been into baseball less than ever probably this year. Just paying attention. Tried to watch a Giants game, Giants-Dodgers the other night. And it, going from, like, the NBA playoffs to that felt like going from 100 miles an hour to about five. Yeah. It was just like, whoa. It's cold turkey. Yeah, it's just, uh, this is. <clears throat> now, you are talking to somebody that on uh, Monday split screen two baseball games at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Although- Again, I, I have baseball in the background, kind of like you would. I do have, like, podcasts and other things in the background just playing. You know, that's but that's just how I consume it. It's just, I, I, I can tell where the casual guy, it's just, it's a very slow paced sport for the way society's operating right now. And again, I love baseball, but man, you just, it just moves a little slower. And you don't really feel it because, like, during the NBA playoffs, you can just kind of come in and out. But now it's like, kind of just has the attention of everyone. Everyone's hating on the Carl's World Series. I feel there's way what? more action in that than everyone. I, everyone's hating on who's who the who's hating on the. Well, co- what is there? When, to- I, when, I, when I say hating, I just mean a lot of people talk shit that the game lasts forever. I think there's just way more action. I find a college game much more enjoyable than a major league baseball game. First of all, that's insane. But I like the college baseball games. Again, when I just say like, there's nothing on the line in major league baseball games for, for six months. It's just you just play. And I'm not saying it's better play. You're just comparing the championships to the regular season. Yeah, but that's just, yeah, just more entertaining to me right now. Currently in the middle of June. Yeah, I like the College World Series, though. But, uh, yeah, I like it. 
I like. I mean, they, 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 yeah. I was just, thinking like one thing that might be lost, like our kids will never know. Is it like you know they had like a College World Series promo? I was on watching ESPN yesterday. College World Series promo comes on. It's like a picture of one of the people. I don't even know who it was, a player. And um, you know, I think in ten years, twenty years, I don't know when everything's super fragmented. Will the College World Series be on ESPN when that? The next time that deals up, or maybe I'm not going far out enough, 30 years, will the college championship for baseball be on the same channel as the NBA Finals, or will it be like on its own individual stream and you won't ever stumble across it unless you're looking for it? I hope it that's, is. Like, that's one thing in our, in our lifetime that ESPN, I think, has always... Obviously, they're a business. They're making money. They're not out there to be... They're not a public entity. They're not a service. But they are kind of a public service. Like, there is stuff that's ended up on ESPN that's in front of our faces that if ESPN had never existed, uh, wouldn't be as in front of our faces as it is because of ESPN. I've always thought that's really cool. But you but you also just need shit to show. Right. So, well, because of that, yeah. I'm yeah, not saying they're the, out there to doing me, the everybody a favor. the College World Series is in good shape. Same as, like, the College uh, Softball World Series because – you just need some inventory. No, you do. I'm just saying, like, uh, 10, 20 years is not far out enough. But one, one day, I don't know. I just I hope it's always a part. Like, I love that the biggest brand in sports has some of the things that aren't the biggest brands in sports. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm not they, going to tractor pulls. I'm not going that far. Uh, axe when they throwing. Have, like, f- fishing competitions? Yeah, I mean, have you watched any of the axe throwing before? No, I haven't. I've the given it five minutes. Good. Or the cornhole when that's on. Uh, that's I, I I don't like cornhole to begin with. I just find it such a stupid game. Like two sports, sports is strong. Two activities that I just can't stand. I, it's not that I can't stand cornhole. Cornhole's fine, but I hate bowling. I detest bowling. Uh, yeah. To me, I put cornhole on a whole. I really like cornhole. I have not bowled in decades probably yeah to me to me cornhole serves a purpose like if you're day drinking or whatever yeah yeah it's just to me the bowling is just i'm with you i I haven't even thought i'm with you on bowling if i yeah i'm with you on bowling uh all right this podcast is brought to you by ease wellness e-a-z-e wellness what better time than the summer john for easewellness.com promo code ham all right guy i really don't think there is because I know this. I slept like a baby last night because I took a little Ease Wellness, a little CBD drops. Uh, the Dream. Uh, ordered Hakeem? Them off Ease, the, the, Hakeem, The Dream. John sleeps like a baby. Elijah won. <laughs> uh, on EaseWellness.com. I used this the is not an endorsement from Elijah won. I got $20 off and I got a $50, you know, over $50 because I ordered two things. I got a little upper going right now. Free delivery. Free delivery. Nice. It's uh, It's got it all, guy. Bath bombs, doggy treats, uh uh, creams to rub on your aches and pains for, for our athletes out there that need a little pick-me-up. We've got you covered. EaseWellness.com. E-A-Z-E.com. Promo code HAM. Like John said, your first Ease order is 20 bucks off with that promo code, and then any delivery over $50, and all deliveries over $50, are free. This podcast also brought to you by Upstart. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of the revolving debt cycle. Thankfully, now there is upstart.com slash ham. Yep, guy. It goes beyond the traditional FICO score when addressing your credit worthiness. They actually actually reward based on education and job history. 
And here's the thing, guy. It just does not affect your FICO score. We've all applied for loans, and it dings you. That's not the case at Upstart. It's fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, guy, once your loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day, the next day. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off the credit card, student loans, fund a wedding, or make a large purchase. They got money. Low interest rates. Go check it out. Upstart.com slash ham. See why Upstart's ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. Hurry to Upstart.com slash ham to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate can only take a few minutes, and like John said, does not affect your credit. Upstart.com slash ham. Upstart.com slash ham. By the way, Middlecoff, uh, I'm going to show you something here. Can you tell what this is? Uh, I mean, a big box of Twix peanut butter. At 18... Uh, Alyssa tweeted that she can't find uh, peanut butter Twix anywhere. And this box, this 18-count box of peanut butter Twix appeared in the mail this morning with no sender. Who sent that? I I have no idea. Would you guess Twix? Maybe. But I would think they would have wrote her a note or something if they sent it to her. But how do you know they didn't? Did you open the box? Yeah, I opened... Oh, you mean this box. You're saying there could be a note inside this box? I guess maybe there is. But... They just sent it in like a... It came from Amazon, so I doubt they would send it via Amazon. Well, who would have sent it? I don't know. Did you retweet it? Uh, no. Like a while ago. Guess I how, how would they have got her address? John, I, I don't have answers to any of these questions. All I know is a big-ass box of Twix appeared at my door this morning. Are you going to eat them? In an Amazon box. Well, the problem is I already loaded up on a few in the fridge previously. <laughs> Nothing like a nice cold little candy bar. Yeah, so that's uh, why so I worked out this morning to get ready for that box. I was going to, and then I decided not to work out. Yeah, the rest of the day. Yeah, to attack. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you tell yourself. <laughs> uh, all right, a few things we want to get to. NBA draft is Thursday, four Pacific. Zion Williamson. Got to be feeling better about his life, John, these days. You think he, you think he cracks the top 10? I thought you were going to ask him, would he crack this box of Twix? Uh, I mean... Well, oh, yeah. Did you see that Like they did an interview with him and R.J. Barrett, their best friends, and they said their number one activity when hanging out is eating? They're like, where do you go? They're like, Wendy's? And they get the Baconator. And it's like, well, I would too, because your metabolism is never faster. You can probably <laughs> eat two Baconators. Yeah, well, that doesn't. we showed up at Pebble... From the time we walked in the door to the time we actually started to go find some golf was probably about 45 minutes. Because um, all we did was look for food for the first 45 minutes we were there and eat. Well, and drink. Everyone's, eat, everyone's eating, you know. So I can identify with them. I think this is a great draft. You don't, you know, maybe as, maybe when we get to the high school, the draft where high schoolers are allowed in, um, we'll have like all these guys get built up a certain way and people know who they are because they'll know that the high school guys are. Uh, you know, on the table from day one, and there'll be all their internet mixtapes, whatever. But it's pretty hard. Like, obviously, LeBron came out of high school. Zion isn't LeBron level, I don't think, but he's like LeBron going to college for a year at Duke. Like, Ben Simmons was not this big. Um, Like, who are the biggest number ones to come out in recent years? Anthony Davis was pretty big in basketball. What do you compare it it to? Yeah, I mean, I I feel the hype. Like, Anthony Davis is probably a better player. Like, if you could take both from scratch, you'd take Anthony Davis. Mm -hmm. 
But I, I do agree with you. Like the, his hype was nowhere near. I mean, hell, he wasn't even the number one player in his class coming into college. But his Duke experience was now Anthony Davis won the championship, but there was a hype surrounding Zion that I, I think is you can't say unprecedented because it was LeBron. But LeBron skipped he didn't even need it. He had ESPN. Remember, I mean LeBron was getting nailed for like driving Hummers. LeBron was LeBron probably was unprecedented and almost maybe never seen again what he went through. Uh the balls a little crazy, but no one views them as good, even though LaMelo, you see how tall he is now? He's like six seven. I, I saw the photos of him yesterday going to Australia or whatever. Like, I saw Gottlieb talking about it yesterday. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, there's a decent chance LaMelo is much better than Alonzo. Alonzo's pretty good, you know? Like, LaMelo has a decent chance to be the number one player picked. I don't even know when he's eligible. Would it be two years from now? How old is he's technically, he? Oh, technically, he's like a senior in high school. He's like gonna be a senior. So you're in high seventeen. School. Okay, so he needs so, to be. So he's kind of going the Bryce Harper route. He's like yeah. skipping senior year of high school, but I think he's two years away. But ultimately, I think yeah, I think Zion. I'm trying to think of the most hyped players just in general in the draft. Obviously, baseball doesn't really count, though. The baseball people will tell you like the catcher from Oregon State's like the best prospect since Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was a pretty hyped prospect. Andrew Luck, I I'd put pretty. Yeah, high. that's a good one. I mean, they they were saying suck for luck when luck was like a nineteen years old. That's a good one, and like you know, but but I give in college we get we get time to watch you develop and have the hype build. Zion, if he had come out of high school, it would have been a big hype. But he wouldn't have been the number one overall player in the draft. Probably. No, no, no. But it would just would have been hyped. I mean, yeah. Then he goes to I, Duke. I feel like I've been watching him on social media for three or four years. I mean, I've de- I've definitely. I didn't even know his name for a while. I was like, oh, that's the dude that looks like a middle linebacker that does these crazy dunks. If you if if you resign, John Middlecoff is the, you are the number one player in this draft. And I said the Pelicans are drafting you number one given and they you know what their current situation is. But you have the ability to force to, to force your way to the Knicks. Would you rather go to New Orleans right now or the Knicks? Would you force your way to New York thinking maybe KD's coming? KD's on the way, and it's New York, and I want to be in that market, and that's where I want to go. Or would you go to New Orleans and play for the Pelicans? I go to New Orleans, but I'm also, like, from 30,000 feet looking at the league, I go, Zion, you might be able to make a little more in New York, but just use, like, Russell Westbrook as your example. Hell, use Anthony Davis. Those guys made so much goddamn money in small markets. I think Russell Westbrook's a better example than Anthony Davis. Because he's a bigger star than Anthony Davis, like that's going to be you, Zion, and your team's pretty good, and they're pretty loaded, and you have a, you don't have just a random GM. You have a guy that has been a part of winners that already has, you know, a pretty loaded gun. That you already got Drew Holiday. You got the fourth overall pick that you can either trade or draft a guy. You got Lonzo. You got Brandon Ingram. Who I'm not the biggest fan of Sleepy Ingram, but say what you want. I mean, if he's just like in your seven or eight man rotation, that's not terrible. Uh, the, I mean, what would the Warriors do to have just Brandon Ingram on their roster? Nice right twenty-one. Yeah. I mean, so, how many points he averaged last year? Like eighteen. Uh, let me see. He just looks so sleepy to me. He always just looks like he's ready yeah, for a that's, nap. That's a big red flag. Uh, but it's not like they're giving him a hundred million dollars. You know, like you say, he's twenty-one years old. Hey, average eighteen. I I think the one part that sucks is that whenever Pelicans games were on TV, there was always no one there. It's obviously a football town. 
you know, you like to be the biggest deal in town. Like he would have think how big of a deal he would have been in New York. You know, it would have been massive. Yeah, but I mean, I part of this is like I think this sport, you don't need this isn't baseball. You don't need 40,000 people a night to have, get an arena full. Um if the if if they're if they're a playoff level team, which they might be, and he's an NBA star, which everyone thinks he's gonna be, you know, I mean, well, I'm just looking back here, John. They've won 50 games once since they came to New Orleans, and it was their first year in New Orleans. Chris Paul. Yeah. Then they won 49. They have a 46, a 45, a 48 last year. But I think the question. What if they're one the of the question, big stories in the NBA? I think the question would be is they've had two superstar players, and they both want to get the hell out of there. That's true. But I just mean like a star, like Zion is a, a star level star, right? He is highlight reel as much as he is anything else and personality and all that. Um, I don't, I'm not saying he's a better player than Anthony, but don't you think he has big, he's just a bigger star potential just in terms of personality and all that than Anthony Davis? Yeah, I, I think Chris was a pretty big – Chris was a bigger star in his prime than Anthony Davis. He had the nickname. Yeah. He was just – you know, one of the dudes like with LeBron, it always and Wade, like he was just in that little crew. Like he was always viewed as a first team All NBA type guy. Like I, he was a superstar. That's why it was such a big deal when the Lakers trade got declined. He ends up with the Clippers. I think Zion can be bigger, right? I, yeah, I wish this team was in Seattle. Um, what if they had just kept Chris and Anthony Davis, and now they had Zion? <laughs> They'd be pretty good. Probably wouldn't yeah. have the number one overall pick. Now I'm with you. I mean, I, I think you can be a star from anywhere in basketball. You don't have to be in a massive market. You don't have to be in a massive market clearly to get a Nike deal. I think it, I think it sucks if you're in a small market and you're losing. That's what drives these guys nuts. Like they can handle being in New York or the Lakers or whatever when you're losing. When you when you win in the small markets, look at most of these guys historically. And we saw we had a front row seat when we were in high school. Like the Kings guys were fucking at the. I mean, they loved it. You know, even Weber eventually, because people are like, oh, he's never going to resign. Sign the big yeah. deal. It's like they, those guys were, I mean, no pun intended, kinks. Look at OKC. Yeah, well, the question is like, is New Orleans, that's kind of what you're getting at, though, is is New Orleans, Sacramento, and OKC, where if you're oh. good, they're going to support you? It doesn't really feel like it's quite that oh, level. We're, we're really about to find out. If they don't support Zion and they're competitive, then it's just, you might as well just move the team, right? Like, I think Memphis is another good example. Like, Memphis, OKC, and Sacramento have proven if you're good, it's actually a pretty cool place to play, right? Yeah. Like Marcus Hall didn't want to leave. I, I get Doug Christie or Bobby Jackson on the phone. I mean, ask Russell, even Paul George. Like, this is pretty sweet. You can't, The one thing you can't take away from OKC, when they got a big home game, that place rocks. I, I, how many Houston games have you watched and been like, I know there's some traffic in Texas, but where is everybody? Why is that? That place is empty. You know, I mean, like – Let's say Steph Curry had be. Let's say the Kings were the Warriors, right? Okay. So like Steph, Clay, and that whole group had just dominated the league. Would Steph be like less rich or less famous? No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Under Armour would have got him. He would have transcended the league. He still plays the Lakers. Like the Warriors were. I always kind of viewed the Warriors. And I think most people around the league, 
they were never viewed as like, even though, in, and I think this is what Joe has woken the sleeping giant, like a big market team. I viewed them like it was just the king's equal, just kind of shitty franchises, right? Just couldn't right. really win. Right. Had some moments here and there. But like, I, I would imagine the casual NBA fan, or excuse me, the casual even NBA player, and maybe it's because San Francisco is a little different, and they didn't play in San Francisco, but did not view the the Warriors until Lakeup kind of came out with his chest pumped out and like we're doing big things like that, ever. Hell, Steph didn't even want to come here. Remember back when he was drafted? That was the best thing that probably ever happened to him. But because forever, NBA people probably didn't see themselves like in the tech business. Now they're much more involved and they're much more cognizant of like I can get involved. And I read an article about uh, I don't know if you saw this. Climbing and Kevin a couple years ago were driving down like Market Street mm-hmm. or wherever was it is it Pinterest is that what it is or Postmates Postmates oh yeah, yeah. Postmates offices yeah and Kevin's like I want to go in there yeah and they went in there and he like got a talk and he's like this is sweet he's like I want to invest find out how I can invest and he yeah. gave him like a million bucks and yeah. now it's worth like ten yeah. You, well, remember you he used that? to do like, didn't he do ads or something for Postmates once upon a time? Or he was involved like visibly in Postmates. Do you use Postmates? Uh, I've not used Postmates, no. I actually feel like it's kind of a sleeping giant because a couple times like I'll be picking up food and the person will be waiting and I'll be like, oh, Grubhub or DoorDash. And they'll be like, oh, I'm here for Postmates. I see a lot of people use it, clearly. Yeah. I, I give Kevin a little credit. I'm dude's like uh, got a little Warren Buffett in him. I've I've looked at multiple uh, mock drafts, John, that I'll have the for months now, that have the Warriors drafting uh, Dylan Windler, the six seven guy, the big guy from Belmont. You have you have a mock draft up right now? Yeah. Who do they have the Kings picking? Uh, I always go to Sam Vecini, and he has the Kings taking Bruno Fernando from Maryland. You know the problem with the NBA draft is like after the top like five or six, no one knows any of these players. It's just like where's the Hachimuri guy going to go? Well, he I don't think he's like I mean lottery ish. Uh, he's got he, him at uh, thirteen. He's not viewed as some elite player, is he? Well, I think he's kind of slipped. What about the white point guard from Virginia? That's my favorite player in the draft. Ty Jerome. Ty Jerome, yeah. Is he a white guy? Yeah, I guess. I don't really know what his uh, ethnicity is. Yeah, I I don't even know. I mean, I once you get past like top 10, it's just fucking flip a coin. But there is some pressure this year on the Warriors to Yeah, I'm just so two things. One, there's the pressure part. But like I just wonder if this is like uh, everybody mocking the same player to the Raiders. Like, I've just seen this guy, Dylan Windler, mock to the Warriors multiple times. I just wonder if everyone knows that they like him. Um, and I texted somebody with the Warriors about a month ago when I saw one of these because I was throwing names at him. I was like, what about Matisse Thibel? He's like, oh, he didn't really – didn't. I could tell he didn't like it. So what about Windler? He was like, now we're talking. So maybe there's something there. So you're saying Bob Myers texted you that he likes this guy that much? <laughs> nope, no. <laughs> Well, I, I also think once you get to a certain point as a franchise, and in basketball this happened forever with the Spurs, it'd be like, oh, the Spurs are going to love this guy. Oh, th- th- this guy's got Spurs written all over. Right, right. Who does it, ha- who does it happen to the most in football? 
up, up. The Patriots took uh, Winovich. Of or, course they did. Yeah, or that's right. It goes that way, right? It's like you wait until they draft the guy. You're like, oh, we should have known. Oh, yeah. Grant Williams from Tennessee. I loved him in the tournament. He's going to be perfect yeah. in San Antonio. Oh, uh, who would have thought Belichick took another white slot receiver? You know, it's just, it's pretty. Sometimes you're right. They're like the Josh Jacobs one for the Raiders. People just knew. Trying to think of a basketball one in the last couple of years where people just knew. Because it feels like in basketball you get some curveballs after like Vlade taking a foreign Vlade taking a foreign guy. That's usually up there. Well, remember a couple years ago, everyone's like, "Oh, Vlade loves De'Aaron Fox. They love De'Aaron Fox. They love De'Aaron Fox." And I heard Windhorse or someone talking that there were people with the Lakers that's like, "Listen, we they wanted De'Aaron Fox more." Like the scouts, and remember, Polinka didn't listen to scouts, and it was more of a Polinka magic that went with Lonzo. Because I'll never forget watching, and I had a little money on Kentucky. De'Aaron fucking took it to Lonzo in the playoff game, or in the, in the Sweet Sixteen, or whenever mm-hmm. they played. Mm-hmm. And it was just like I just kind of like the, the way De'Aaron carries himself a little more than Lonzo. I mean, if tell me this, if De'Aaron Fox right now, if they had taken De'Aaron Fox to Lonzo. Do they just keep De'Aaron Fox? And include Kuzma in the deal? Yeah, like to me, is De'Aaron Fox untouchable? He's untouchable. I don't, there's no way you trade that, that guy. No, because you'd want De'Aaron Fox with AD and LeBron, And right? you wouldn't need them. No one would be talking about Kemba or anything else. Now, you would and, say that Lonzo should fit with those guys too, but De'Aaron's better. But like you would say that, okay, you get Kuzma, Ingram, and the fourth pick and all these swaps. That's still pretty good, right? Yeah, I think you still do that deal if you're New Orleans. You're not getting anything better. No one's offering you anything better than that, right? Yeah. Because you don't go like, it's De'Aaron Fox or nobody. Like right now, if if David Griffin had called Vladi and said, Anthony Davis told me and will tell you he's going to re-sign and sack, we want De'Aaron Fox and, you know, whatever, for Anthony Davis, would he say yes? Anthony Davis is going to resign. Yeah, <laughs> you think so? Yeah. <laughs> Am I crazy to think like I have to think about that? No. I mean, you're worried that he's hurt. You love De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, I just get a more normal human. Handles himself like a a pro. The guy. I'll be honest. I'm a little turned off by Anthony Davis. Like just the shit he was doing last year. Always leaving. That's all, folks. There's just an immaturity to him. Now there's a greatness to him too. I it just he, well the he, guys don't, that don't explain themselves always bug you. You know, I don't mean you specifically, but just us in general. Where you do weird stuff and then you don't, we don't hear anything from you. That's why I think there's a segment of people that have loved Kawhi's success. It's like he just he just took bullets from the Spurs, never said a word. It's like, well, it would have been nice if he'd said something. Yeah. Well, you know? here's the thing: like he quit on them. He quit. They tried to pressure him, and he would not allow it. He stood up for himself. It's like, I guess. I, I don't know. That's your narrative. I don't know what the hell happened. He doesn't say anything. Well, t- t- I got one for you, guy. Here's what pisses me off about that. Take a step back. Franchise for 20-plus years, and as you did the research the other day, you could argue it was 30-plus years with, like, three outlier seasons of just kicking ass taking names, winning 50 to 60 games every year, throw in a couple 65s and 67s in there. You think one of the best players, you could argue he's the second best player in the history of the franchise, probably just with the body of work, David Robb, he'd probably be the third. 
you think they were going to pressure this guy and tr- attempt to ruin his career like that franchise? I, I mean, I, I just call bullshit on it. Now, maybe they had difference of opinions and maybe they were mad at him. But like, you think they're like, let's Popovich had a conversation with like RC. Let's put him in harm's way and teach him a lesson. Like, that's no, <laughs> right? That just did not happen. And if you think that you're a booger eater, anti, but I think this is the big deal especially with the media, they're very anti the power, anti-establishment. But it's like teams, yeah, they're the power, but in basketball, much more than obviously football, you think Popovich understands how important fucking Kawhi Leonard is to their success to win every game they play if Kawhi Leonard's on their team? Give me a break. Now I can see something like pissing them off, like, and this pisses NBA players off. Kawhi, Uncle Dennis can't come on the team playing. Like right. shit like that then adds up. Like, right. hey, Kawhi, get Uncle Dennis out of my office. Hey, Kawhi, I'm not calling Uncle Dennis back. And that's the type of shit that pulls, pisses NBA players off. And I also think that's something that's fun for Twitter, and it's why Twitter people think it's a big deal. But the average sports consumer, we have never jumped the shark more with the shit in the NBA. And I think for as fun as everyone's like, and I'm excited for all this stuff, but I think it wears a lot of people out. Because we, we it feels now we know more about the Uncle Dennis's and Rich Paul's than I do about most players. Yeah, I think it wears. I mean, I know it wears me out, but I don't think that the average, the general fan who is so general of a fan that they turn TVs off knows that stuff. Like the people that are all up into this information are the people that are just junkies, love it. But I don't. I don't mean like you live and die with like what Uncle Dennis or Rich Paul says. But if you, when I say general, like you follow the NBA, you watch a lot of games, you may play fantasy, gamble a little bit. You're gonna, I'm talking that guy that's gonna know. It's like, oh my God, if I read one more goddamn Uncle Dennis article, I'm gonna puke. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's where the NBA is kind of See, I, slope the, the right pro- now. The, the problem for me with that theory is that Rich, Rich Paul just had an article guy at the front page of Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I know. I, the problem for me with that theory is the people that care enough to be mad about that are the people that are really watching games. The people that are casual, I might turn the game off, aren't reading your Uncle Dennis articles because they're casual, I might turn the game off people. But I don't even mean, like, Uncle Dennis hasn't even had an article. But no, but just... you know what I'm saying? Like, I think the people who are so in, are in so deep that they know all this drama are the people that aren't just, oh, you know, maybe Big Bang Theory's season finale is on. I'll watch that instead. Like, you got to be like into the shit to know it all. Cause I just, I realize sometimes when I talk to people who aren't like in it every day, like we are just how casual the observations of sports are and you know, it's a healthy balance of life and they got other stuff going on and they don't know all the rich Paul stories. They just, sometimes there's a game on and they watch it and sometimes they don't. That's true. That's fair. Um, yeah, I don't know. But, I, but, I, but I think there are a lot more casual people that you just can follow it. Like the other night, at about the sixth inning, I'm like, this is not doing it for me. I turned off Giants-Dodgers, didn't even put it on the second TV, and just mm. turned on Big Little Lies. You know? What would you think? Uh, I mean, I watched I, I watched first I watched episode and night, got halfway night. through the second. I mean, it's just – it's okay. Yeah. It's entertaining. Like, I, I would like a little more, like, nudity and sex. But other than that, it's – because to me, if you're going to go on HBO, like I need a little more oomph. And I got a little more oomph. The first season was good because it was right. Kidman, Kidman and her husband. Now that guy's gone, like 
I need Nicole Kidman to have a sexual partner. You know, I, I, I need I, a little. Judging from what I saw for the previews of the third episode, we might be moving towards one. Okay. Um, speaking of what you said about the Spurs, though, here's you know since the the Spurs have basically held the 28th pick or somewhere in that range for the last 30 years. Um, the Warriors' last few drafts. Well, let me give you the Spurs' 28th overall pick because they've done a lot of those. And I'm not even going to go with like, you know, Manu was at 57. Okay, Tony Parker was at 28 in 2001. Fine, like we don't. But here's just some other drafting late useful players that the Spurs have gotten since they drafted Tony Parker. In 02, they took John Solomon's at 26 and Luis Scola at 56. Uh, in 03, they took Leandro Barbosa at 28. <laughs> 32 minutes in. Um, in 04, they took Ben Oudry at 28. Uh, they took Tiago Splitter at 28. They took George Hill at 26. They took uh, Dwan Blair at 37. They took uh, Corey Joseph at 29. They've took one guy who's never. They had one draft in thirteen. Neither player ever played in the NBA, and they well, had that again in fifteen. John, I'm gonna. I'll say this though, guy. You can miss on the those late picks, as we've seen forever. Like good teams in the NFL, when you and same with the NBA, when you pick late, it's really hard. It's probably way harder in the NBA. But to maintain dominance, they would not have been able to maintain it in San Antonio. A little different Golden State because it's now viewed as some. Uh, free agent destination and free and San Antonio definitely isn't. I wouldn't even say free agent destination. They just a much bigger market, Silicon Valley. They have a much different draw. But to even just Tony, think about this: Tony, Manu, and then that George Hill pick. They were able to flip for Kawhi. The Warriors. It's not even arguable now with Clay surely to go on a big max and Steph being on a max in the next couple years. They're going to need to like hit a borderline home run with one of these picks because it's yeah. not. They're not going to be able to acquire people in other – there's just – free agency is not – they don't have any money. The highest – after they took Tim Duncan number one overall, the highest they drafted was last year when they drafted 18th. Okay, because they win. I could, what, what are the chances the Warriors have a stretch of 20 years like that? Zero? I mean, it's, 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 it's not even – it's absurd. Well, because it would be the equivalent of like, yeah, they draft two more clays in the, in the second round. And a Draymond. Like, it's just not going to happen more than likely. But if they are going to maintain it, they're going to have to hit on a pick. They're just, that's just to me, this, the end all be all. They have to hit on a pick because for them, they have two ways to acquire people. You hit on a pick and you trade that player for an established star, or you hit on that pick and he becomes a star and you just keep him. That's to me their only way. They're just not, like, when's the next time the Golden State Warriors are going to have a max slot? When we're 40? Yeah, I mean, it's just it's not going to happen. Did for you the know? By the way, I didn't realize this, John. So in the deal where they got Kawhi, they also got the guy that's been on their team the last three years, Davis Bertans, who averaged uh, eight points a game last year. Again, not nothing crazy, but he, he was in Latvia. They got him in the Kawhi at eleven. The, the, they were the, the future. Be- I think they are widely viewed as the best drafted stash team in league history. Um, these are the Warriors' picks since they drafted uh, Clay. Obviously, they took Harrison at seven, but they got Festus at thirty and Draymond at thirty-five. I mean, That's an unreal draft. Unbelievable. Fifteen, they got Looney at thirty. Um, that That's was a great a risk- pick. It was a risky pick, and they nailed it. 
But the last two years, their first round picks have been non-factors. Damian Jones in 16, or I guess the last three years. Damian Jones in 16, um, and Jacob Evans in 18, and obviously the Jordan Bell in 17 in the second round, uh, which looked like a win, but you know, obviously this year took a step back. But they need more than they got out of Jacob Evans. You know what's crazy with basketball players? For the most part, like, you watch Jordan Bell, you go, this guy's a legitimate NBA talent. What holds him back? Maturity and effort. But you just want, like, his flash plays, you're like, yeah, it's an NBA guy. But it's just, is maturity and effort. And the problem with the NBA, and this has probably been the most consistent thing in, like, the history of their sport with players, you just, some guys never mature. Some guys hit a point where it's like, boom, it hits at 27. And when I say mature, he's on like the like he's clearly really immature. Even some guys like Victor Oladipo, who was a high level guy that was just like took control of his body a couple years ago and boof took off like a shooting star. You just never know. And team, the problem for the Warriors is they don't time's not really on their side. It's not like they're they're closer to LeBron James. Like they draft, develop, but you fucking better shit or get off the pot faster. They just got to move on. Like to me, Jordan Bell is probably a good example of the longest leash they'd give. Don't you think? Yeah. Because it, I, I, I'm not expecting him to be back on the team. Like you said, when you've got high-priced star players, these guys, you don't have time to develop in the G League. Like, we need you now. Did, did, did you see someone tweet out the, uh, the stats of LeBron's teams? His first Cleveland time, or no, Miami – then Cleveland, and then now with the Lakers, the amount of draft picks, trades they've made, it's stupid. But in fairness, like, and I just tweeted out, like, I guess LeBron's not a big draft and develop guy. You you can't be. Like, you're just, you can win a title every year, LeBron James, on your on your team. And like Toronto found out this year, whether Kawhi stays or who gives a shit? You won a title. So you just put all your chips in the middle of the table. That's why if you told me on, like, Thursday – the Warriors have traded. I don't even know who they what they have to trade. Uh, Jordan Bell, next year's one to move up like ten spots, like just to get aggressive. You know who knows? I, I just they'll be aggressive. Like that's Lakeup ain't just like he ain't Brandon Belt. He, he's not looking for a walk. If the guys when I see like I checked Brandon Belt's numbers last night, batting batting two forty. But his OBP is 370. Makes me want to puke in my mouth. Swing the bat. Like Joe Lacob, his OBP is not going to be as high, but he's going to hit a lot more home runs because he's taking goddamn hacks. If, if your OBP is 150 points higher than your batting average and your batting average is not very high, that's a, I, I, think that's a, I think that's a negative guy. And, you, and you're not a fast guy. Like To me, that's stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's a negative unless, I mean, you're still getting on base at a high rate. Yeah, but you're not. You're slow, and your team can't hit. So you're not doing. Uh, nothing happens. Yeah, but it's not your fault. Your team can't hit. Like you're getting on well, base. That's what you're the stat valued by somebody. But he doesn't. He doesn't swing the. Like he doesn't get hits. Like there is. It's not arguable that hits are better than. Like I'd rather get a single than a walk. And I think that's where the stat guys would say. No, they're the same thing. I just disagree. Yeah, I don't know if they would say it's the same thing or not, but it just it doesn't mean that the walks are meaningless. I guess is my point. Yeah, you'd rather just hit three eighty five. Do you do you agree that like when your average is two forty and your OBP is three seventy, it's a little like what 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 are we trying to accomplish here? 
Yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but I don't know what to say about it. I mean, other than it's still it's still a good OBP, so we'll find a way to try and make you useful. Yeah, but well, I mean, Mike yeah, Trout's played in three playoff games. He's maybe the greatest player. I, I mean, he's the greatest player of this generation. So it takes more than one guy anyway. One hundred percent. But at least like his batting average is always like three ten. You know, and then his right. I'm just saying, but he and that even that like. And he needs help. So the guy whose on-base percentage is 150 points higher than his batting average, like, that's a useful player. Period. You know what I mean? Like, you could want more out of him, but if he just is what he is, that's better than a AAA guy. Or That's just a useful player is my point. Yeah. Now, the problem comes in when that guy is at, like, a power position. Right? And, and, you're paying him tw- and you're paying him $20 million a year. Better. Yeah. But that that doesn't like Greg Papa always says, quoting Papa here, that you pay a guy doesn't change who he is. Yeah. You know. Uh like Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, actually. This is perfect. Guess what? Kirk didn't change. Florio's been on this thing about he could end up a 49er because the Niners can get out of Jimmy G's contract for like four and a half million dollars. And then he, I think he kind of doubled down on it this week and said still a possibility that Kirk could could end up in San Francisco. Um, and and then he said it to Sims, and Sims said that he thinks Cousins is more talented than Garoppolo. Um, I could not disagree more I with that think statement. It's nuts. Uh, look, well, so I, I would just say it's factually incorrect. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I we haven't seen a lot of Kirk. I mean, uh, Jimmy, obviously, but I've seen enough of Kirk to know that's not the answer. Like, if the if Florio's scenario comes to pass and the Niners end up with Cousins, then I, I think we're just kind of swimming in place. Well, yeah. I 100% agree. To me, if Jimmy plays 16 games, this will not be on the table. Where this comes into play is if Jimmy proves to be Tannehill and goes down and misses eight games, I can see Kyle. And this we've talked about this before. See you, buddy. Like, and I'll just go trade for Kirk Cousins. Because you cannot – the one thing you can't do in the NFL is get down a Tannehill road. And Jimmy's a much better version of Tannehill with an injured quarterback because it just – it's impossible to win with it because they always go down. So it's why I've said over and over it is – Jimmy has to play every game this year, or at least like 15. And even 15 would mean that one week would be like, what's his injury? How did he get hurt? Like, you got to prove you can play 16 games because I am I have no problem paying you a premium because I know when you play, we can win. But, guy, he has to play the 16 games. Kirk Cousins plays 16 games every year. Oh, uh, uh, Sims actually said he'd rather have Jared Goff than Jimmy Garoppolo, too. Well, I, 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 can't, I can't disagree there because Jared no, I'd rather Cooks. have him than Kirk Cousins, though. I know that. I'd rather have them both than Kirk Cousins. But I, I, I could – you could convince me is if Jimmy plays seven games this year, like, I'm out on him, bro. Especially if it only costs you $4.5 million to move on. You know that you can cut Derek and Jimmy for a combined, like, $7 million? Wow. So this – both these guys – That's not good for the player empowerment crowd. <laughs> well, it's a great thing about the NFL. It's not a player empowerment league. Is that – where is Jimmy's contract deal? Jimmy's fighting for his life, fighting for his career, not his career because other people would sign him, no problem. But his Niner career, 
just given how much they paid him. That was the one thing. They took care of him, but then the pressure goes up immensely. Like, what if he plays 10 games this year? Because if you play 10 games, he's probably not making the playoffs. That'd be a disaster. Yeah, the irony is the only reason the other guy's available is because they're not happy with him. And Kirk would be 32. Now, but it's and the you money. said this. Yeah, but if, but you know this. If a quarterback's good, you pay him anything. Like, a good quarterback is priceless. A franchise quarterback. I shouldn't say good, right? A franchise quarterback is priceless. Yes. Right? Well, like, yeah, it's the money Kirk, combined with they don't think he's good enough to make the money they're paying him. Kirk's the only guy to be franchised twice, then get a franchise contract salary or big contract, and still no one views him as a franchise quarterback, right? That probably will never happen again in the NFL. Would now, you agree with that? I get I mean, yeah. I, I, I would say, though, that, that you made this point on the last podcast Monday that if Kirk Cousins was a 49er, it's – Given just his relationship with Kyle, um, that they've worked together, what we saw Kyle do with Nick Mullins, it's possible that Kirk's just been a better player in San Francisco than he would be in Minnesota, although we'd have less to work with around him. Um, So you could make the case that he's more valuable to the 49ers than he is to the Vikings. But I could make the case, just, just if Jimmy plays 10 games, just do everything in your power to draft the best quarterback in the next draft and just go with that guy. Yeah, it, it, but it, but you agree if Jimmy plays ten games, they got a Jimmy Garoppolo problem. Absolutely. Totally. If Jimmy plays thirteen games, they have a Jimmy Garoppolo problem. That then the question is, what does it look like? You know. Yeah. Does he go like eleven and two? Then you're like, ah. Well, yeah, but I just mean like, what's the like, what? Just how does it all look? Um. But I know this: the three weeks that he'd be gone in that thirteen game season, we'd be talking about, do they have a Jimmy Garoppolo problem? Yeah. Right. For his career, play 16 games. Because if he plays 16 games, I think we're all pretty confident that even if they went like 8-8 eight eight or 9-7, he would have so many moments where you're like, this is a no-brainer. Like, this Kirk Cousins is not even on this guy's level. Right? I think I, I think it'd be clear that you would not switch them. Yes. But for anyone that can relate to this, loving a player as a coach I think is a lot like being in love. Because you, you see it consistently, like these coaches bring back players that they just love. Again, football love. But how often, guy, when people go to different places, they get the guy that they've always loved or they get the guy they love from their former team where they were fired from. I, like when Coach Reed went to uh, went to Kansas City, who'd he trade for? Alex, who he'd always loved. It's very much like a relationship. Like Kyle Shanahan has, didn't fall out of love with Kirk Cousins. He got fired in Washington. So they forced to change. And what did he do in Cleveland? That love, he tried to trade for Kirk Cousins. What did he do in uh, Atlanta? I'm sure that first year he's like, I'd rather have Kirk Cousins than Matty Ice. Then they, but then the girlfriend relationship was pretty good. And him and Matt Ryan had some high highs, right? They won the MVP and it was pretty sweet. They started liking each other. And then he got the job. And what did he immediately think? Like, how are we going to get Kirk Cousins? How are we going to get Kirk Cousins? So he, I do think at the end of the day, for as much as Jimmy is like, Probably a little sexier version is, you know, pretty hot. Got some flaws, right? Like last year, Kyle's devastated that it happened. But as the year went on, it'd be human nature to be a little mad. Like, where is this motherfucker? Like, I can't. He tore his ACL trying to run over a linebacker. Like, he's the only thing between me and my success. Yeah. So it's it has to drive Kyle up a wall. Now, again, now it's easier to kind of take a deep breath in the offseason. And he's good. And don't forget this guy. So Chris Sims, a little like Jay Williams with 
Kevin Durant is like Kyle Shanahan's best friend. They have matching tattoos on their ankles. They went to college together. Like they are be like me and you. I mean, they're very tight. I would imagine they text most days. I mean, they are. So him just the difference is with coaches, like if you start winning with a guy and Jimmy's a high level guy, but like listen, Jimmy's already had a couple of issues, right? Yeah. The porn star was just like, what is he doing? Right. Then the injuries. Then it's just like he is by no means for being a quote unquote high level guy. Like high to me, a high level guy that's flawed or what like Matt Ryan never has any issues, right? Just can I get that? I don't That's, know. That seems like a lot to ask. But I would you if Jimmy plays ten games this year and it's not good and you you want to move on, what's the better I, option? Kirk or do whatever you can to draft the best quarterback you can get and go with that guy. Because I would understand I, wanting to go to Kirk. Like, I've been here a few years now. We got to win some football games. Like, we well, can't keep rebuilding. Well, especially if you're like seven and nine or six and 10, how do you get up in the top five? You got to give up a lot. And right. for them, you're like, fuck it, let's just cut Jimmy. Let's trade a third round pick. Because it wouldn't cost you that much to get Kirk Cousins because who's paying for, who's trading for that 30 million? You might be able to get him for like a fourth round pick. Because the one thing Minnesota would have, well, we didn't pay any. We didn't give up anything to get him. We just paid him. So you can just give him away. So you, Yeah, to me, you're not trading up to get a quarterback if you've won some games but not made the playoffs because of how far you got to go. It's much easier to just use that pick on a player and trade for Cousins. I, if, if Jimmy plays like nine, ten games and that ends up happening, I'll support that because I will be – because, again, if he plays ten games, I'll be furious because you start affecting my bottom line, Jimmy. <laughs> we need you on the field. A lot of people. I mean, he people would be very down on him around here. It would. It'd, it'd be viewed as a flop, and it'd be one of those flops where, yeah, he was good enough, but he just couldn't stay healthy. And he didn't really know when he traded for him. Like they made the right move. I have no problem with them paying him. But last year was an unmitigated disaster, given how he got hurt. Given how he got hurt, because he tried to run over a linebacker. Like, that's stupidity. And that's the type shit, like, I can live with, you can live with. That is, is there probably a bigger pet peeve than doing dumb shit at quarterback position like from Kyle? No, especially when it's like, dude, we all rely on you. Like, all our jobs rely on you. You get hurt. If Jimmy had gotten hurt just standing in the pocket, it'd be a totally different conversation. Right? One hundred, like, like Tom Brady or whatever, right? Yeah. Or even like a Romo. Remember when Romo hurt his back like a preseason game, kind of running away from a guy and got hurt? I I could even live with that, though you're like, God, is he kind of brittle? But to me, the way he got hurt is just inexcusable. It it really is. And you could argue that, like, the standards were too high, but the standards went up when you gave him that huge amount of cash. I don't – for whatever reason, I – I'm lukewarm that's going to work out as well as I think it should because of his talent. Uh, all right. We are two and a half months away. Here We're in mid-June. Really late June. But we're two and a half months away from the time that Joey Bosa signed with the San Diego Chargers. He did not sign with the Chargers until like, I don't know, August 29th or something of his rookie year, the end of August. That's pretty nuts, huh? Yeah, I mean, it, it was pretty nuts. Now, you know, they picked up a fifth-year option. Like, they're happy with the player. No, they haven't picked up his fifth-year option yet, have they? It's too early for that. They're going to. 
He's drafted. Yeah, I, I think they've already team. talked. Yeah, I mean, it's it's happening. It would be after this year, I think. Yeah, I don't it's, know. I mean, it's coming. Jump he's, the he's alone. But obviously, yeah. they, like, I don't do, – do the Chargers I think, think I, about the contract negotiations from yes. two years ago anymore? Uh, no. But they do think, like, how are we going to get this guy signed? Like, to me, they try to sign him after the season if he has a big year. And I would yeah, – I'd be surprised if he signs it, John. So here's Nick Bosa. Unless you throw a lot of money at him. Yeah. But again, is he going to want like Khalil Mack money? I mean, he might if he has like 15 sacks, right? Uh, yeah, I just. He ain't signing, not, for, like, 50, like, he ain't signing for 50 million to yeah. guarantee. Bottom line is it's not going to be simple for mm. the L.A. Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers. So here's Nick Bosa. And guess what? To everybody's shock and, and amazement, we're going down the same road. Yeah, Rap Sheet said a couple weeks ago that get ready because, you know, Kyler Murray signed like weeks ago. And what happens, you usually just wait for the guy ahead of you to sign and boom, slot, slot, slot. So the next five guys after Nick have not signed because they're waiting on Nick. Well, you might be waiting a minute. And he said it's not a big deal right now, but just something to keep an eye on. Some with the 49ers is like, yeah, this could be a pain in the ass. And I have two takes on this. Joey's, One, Joey's option has been picked up, by the way. One is that this is, I mean, I get it, John Kyle. You love this guy, but these conversations, I'm sure, had take place with the Niners. Like, this is going to be a fucking pain. This guy, you really love this guy? Because I, it's easy for me now because I didn't really love him, though I think he'll be a fine player. But I, I, like, Nick, to me, if he doesn't sign, like, we, we will eviscerate him on this show for every day that he misses. One, you got hurt 10 minutes into the fucking your first practice on just basic get-off drills. And now you're going to push me around on a contract that's slotted? Like, that's an embarrassment. Like, I, I'm sorry. that That is an embarrassment. And the other thing with the Niners is, like, they're in a tough spot because I think their nature would be to just – throw up the middle finger like we're giving you what you're supposed to be given what everyone get we're not screwing anyone this is just the going this is it we just see kyler's we copy and paste kyler's contract divided by three percent or whatever the you know the next number is and that's what you get buddy four four for 33.55 yeah and we're just not given but like there is a if if nick bosa misses two weeks of training camp that is a pr disaster now you can say, what is PR? That is not good. Like that, you're getting a lot of shit talked about you for two weeks. That's just unneeded. Especially if all the other guys like, yeah, Quinn and Williams, Devin White, all those guys are in practice. So what like, do you to me, do? Roquan, I don't like, know. Like, is there uh, any way? Because ultimately, not, like you said. not give in. The money is the same. The things that they're arguing over are, like you were telling me the other day, the offset language and when and how the signing bonus gets paid. So, they if all we want get... It huh? It's like they always want it up front, and these, I think the new contracts stagger it, is what one of the big talking points is for the Bosas. Because Roquan Smith was like, remember last year, if he, his big argument was, and it was kind of fair, was like if he got nailed for one of those spearing penalties where you get fined like 250 grand, do the Bears pay it? Like those new rules? 
like you want him to play hard and fast, but then it, it was like, you know what? He's kind of got a point here. I gotta see where, like, I actually, I actually kind of sided with Roquan. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's like, well, he's kind of right. Uh, this one, this one, the it's the dad. I hear, I just, I've heard over and over, it's the dad. And that was the big deal with Joey. It was the dad. Well, yeah, I think same, the, same agent, same agents as uh, McGlinchey and Solomon Thomas, the last two first round picks. McGlinchey was signed a week before camp, and Solomon, I'm reading Mayoko here, joined his teammates the middle of the first practice. That's right. I remember that now, right? Remember it was like they were they were looking out the window or something like that. Remember the story when they signed? See, the you team? do you do forget. Like, I, I don't remember that, do you? Like, if you weren't reading it? No. So, but the problem is, like, you forget on Solomon because he just hasn't been very good. You, McGlinchey, no one even cares. Like, all right, you're just starting right tackle. And not McGlinchey signed a week before, so it didn't matter. Like to me, if Nick, if Nick is missing practices, I mean, we're, we're talking the alarms going off. Woo, woo. Well, especially like because he was, you know. Now look, other guys got hurt too, right? But Joey, remember, showed up late and got and got hurt immediately. Like, the the Boses get injured. Maybe that's what. But they I mean, like Nick's coming off an, an injury. Now he's not the only rookie coming off an injury, but <laughs> every one of the Niners. Yeah. I just I, I I will they protect him from himself? Th- this is where kind of in a tough spot when you draft him because you know going in you're like well it's the Bosa family, but that that's my struggle. John is like, can you go in and go? We're we're playing hardball. It's like, well, you knew you were getting into this when you signed him. Yeah, but what if like the guys playing hardball were like, I didn't want. I mean, this is their pick. I didn't evaluate him. I mean, it's, this is John's guy. Well, but that's yeah. I mean, well, now, then I get John gotta, on the phone, and if I get John on the phone, this is where John fucking starts screaming at people. This is where you get those awesome like fufu back and forth. Right. Well, but again, that doesn't accomplish anything. The question is, did you we get have his this, ass in here? But like, what this is unique, you right? Get like, all, you, you, you ride the pine. <laughs> you know, this is like the seventies. I'm just saying, everybody. This one we all knew, right? Parag and John and Kyle and Jed. We all knew. Well, what are you supposed to do if you view him as the best player in the draft as a defensive player? You're going to take him and then just deal with it later. Now the problem is you have to deal with the later part. Yeah, I'm just saying part of the deal would be then you kind of have a plan. Like, are we going to give in to him? Because if we're not, we we just have to be ready for our first round pick to really hold to legitimately hold out. I, I just think the natural move on anything like this, if you just related it, like you bought a house and there was a room in the house that's really screwed up, but you really want the house. You're like, we're buying this house. You're like, we'll get to that room later. Eventually you moved in and maybe a year later, you're like, God, I got to fix this room. It's going to cost a little money. Like, I, I just think that at the time you draft them, you talk about it, but you're like, just that, we're, that's three months away. We'll, we'll have good dialogue. We'll figure it out. And then you just can't figure it out. I, I just think that's a natural human reaction, no, I, football or anything in life. Yeah, you just put something off, and eventually it kind of comes to roost. And even now, like how often, wherever these guys are, like let's say John's, you know, down in San Diego right now, hanging out with his kids, probably once a day it kind of crosses his mind, like fuck, we gotta figure this out. We're just like text Prague, we got any news, or you need me to call him. Right. Yeah, I'm just saying when you like this guy, we all know because we know what his brother did. You have to have the thought. No, then take him. But just are when you take him, are you saying to yourself? Are you all saying to each other, "We're going to take him, but we are not giving in, no matter what. We're playing hardball." Like okay. Or are you saying, 
We'll figure it out with them. We'll give some because they're not. We we already have the evidence, right? They're not giving any. I would love to see a team say, "Would you give the Niners credit?" Now you don't want them to give in, so would you give them credit if Week Two Nick Bosa is not on the field and they're not giving in? Well, then to me, it's not about like credit or not. It's just an unmitigated disaster. Yeah, like that's just, it's just that simple. Like it's not. I would respect it, but it's also a, just again a disaster. I mean, that's where, no that's where I it. would say you give in because you drafted this player knowing this might be part of the evaluate. This might be part of the issue. I, I, I think if so, Bosa your job is to get him on the field. You agree here? The amount of pressure. Also, you'd be setting this guy up to fail if he shows up when Joey did, because I think the players would be like, "God, what's this guy's deal?" Yeah. And then more than likely... But the Niners counter John would be like, no, he's setting himself up for this. We're not setting him up for this. Yeah, I know that, but it's like you, you're you in bed with him. Like, he is your partner. You know, he is your employee. He is your teammate. It's yeah, like... His success is your success. Yeah, to, it, that, that's what makes this shit tough because I bet Nick would be like, I don't even know what these guys are arguing over, right? I'm just... I just want to play football. And I, I don't even necessarily blame Nick... It's usually not the player, right? Because they're being told, listen, you're paying me probably way too much. There's 3% of all this money, which, you know, what am I really doing? I'm going to argue and I'm going to get you some extra cash. And Nick goes, well, yeah, I mean, I I haven't been to a class in, since high school, so I, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> do what you do. <laughs> uh... For the, I think for the most part, until you get to like veteran type guys, and even then, I'd say half of them don't give a shit. Like the high level ones, like a Richard Sherman, a Joe Thomas, a guy like that that's kind of in tune, a Peyton Manning. I think most guys get to a point where it's like, listen, I trust this guy. He's telling me I'm going to ride or die. This kind of sucks. I I'd obviously want to be in practice. It's easier for a veteran guy because unless you're playing with Baker Mayfield, people are like, you never mess with their money, right? With rookies, it's like you kind of get judged. Like, what the hell is this guy's deal? Especially now, where because if you're a player for the Niners, you're Joe Staley or Jimmy Garoppolo, like what is this guy doing? Because it's slotted. That's the other thing. It's not like you know what the Niners could pay him three million, but he's fighting for thirty. That's not that's not the argument here. It's like bonus states. I, I think you lose respect in your locker room. Now, I, but I, then, I, my, then I think I flip it. If you play like Joey, then no, everyone forgets. My ultimate point on this, John. I think this is my bottom line point as we talk through it. When you draft him, you have to be prepared to give in to him in negotiations. But I, but I think there they hang their hat on negotiations and they go, we think he'll crack. Well, so then you take that. Then I, you know, look, I would what, like what if it to work out. Nick Bosa missed the entire season. How big of a disaster would that be? <laughs> Especially because we're not talking about the difference in how much money you pay him. That's what makes these rookie holdouts always so weird to me. It's not like, well, we're ten million dollars apart. No, we're we're three mo- we're some dates apart. Well, who do you blame in this? The agent or the teams? Sure feels like the agent when all the teams do these yeah, pretty easily. I mean, I, right? but, I mean, it's your right to hold out for whatever. Like, if someone's going to give it to you, then by all means, you're basically just asking forcefully for it. But because I, I think they're both I'm, I'm agent more annoyed by the players in all these situations. But that's what Twitter, I, the media is like. What? Why are we siding with the billionaires? Like, whatever. I just want to watch football games. <laughs> we all do. It's like, hey, media, can you guys get that through your head? That's I, that's one media take that I just – no one, like, loves Jed York, but they, they fans care about their team. 
Yes. So what do fans care about? That, that Nick Bosa is on the field. And this is my thing, like, I I do think there's a counter if I want to just be un, unemotional businessman, go, well, if you're just trying to set a new precedent, then I go, listen, you, the agent, the player, you guys are idiots. But I think they'd say, this is not a precedent. It's been done before. Now, no one consistently has the stones or the balls to sit there in negotiations like I did with Joey. We'll do it again. So it didn't work, right? Because I think a lot of them think like, what am I winning exactly here? Well, again, the money doesn't change. You're saying that like, you're saying the date, instead of getting it on January 1st, I'll get it on May 1st of the same year, the same calendar year, when I've already made $7 million so that it should be able to hold me over. Like Kittle's like, you know, it sucks. Your paychecks just start. And he's talking about a guy, like Kittle's a guy that makes $500,000. So after taxes, that's $250,000. So the first time you have any money, you probably buy a nice car, you rent a nice condo or whatever. In this area, I mean, I think we both can relate. You gave me $250,000. That money could go fast. But if you're making $7 million and my agent said, listen, Nick, put away a couple hundred thousand dollars just to give you a little buffer till this bonus comes is not the end of the world. Like this is where the media and I'm sure there will be people defending them and that will be it'll trigger me on Twitter. But I, I, the common guy, once they know the details, you're telling me that the guy can't wait an extra three months for his cash when he's already just made $7 million in three months? You know, that's the common guy ain't feeling for you there, Nick, or whoever your agent is. And again, I keep hearing it's not necessarily the agent because CAA represents hundreds of high-priced players. It's the dad who I think kind of resents – the way something happened in his career, I don't know all the details, but like feels like he got screwed. And that's where I think he kind of draws this line for his kids. Like, we are not going to get screwed. <laughs> what I would tell and them is they're not going to get screwed. When I'd be like, hey, Mr. Bosa, this is not 1983. Uh, first off, everyone kind of knows what's going on now. Second off, a lot of his money is guaranteed, so your son's okay. And as you've seen with Joey, like – yeah, those checks are coming, right? This the league's not going to fold. <laughs> Cash is pretty good. Your son's made it, bro. Just I, I would say, relax, take a deep breath. It's okay. It's all going to be okay. CAA. Last time I checked, CAA, they're pretty good at what they do. If they say, listen, this this is not worth fighting for, they're, they're not screwing you. But I I think when and I'm gonna. I, I've never met Mr. Bosa. I don't even know that much about him, but just what I've heard is pretty clear that he's – we're always getting screwed guy because it happened to him. And a little life lesson here. You and I have got screwed over a little on certain things. If you hold on to that, it it kind of can mess you up. Like it's not a good way – it's not a healthy way to live. It really isn't. No. Now, I, I've never been screwed out of like millions of dollars. So, I mean it's easy to say and I would be – and I'm not saying you shouldn't be mad over it. But if I got screwed out of millions of dollars and then my life had turned out okay and really well, like 20 years later, I'm not always thinking about that. It's just like like Coward says, holding a grudge like chain smoking hate. It's just living in misery. Well, I saw some of Chris Rock stand up the other day on Netflix and he was talking about his divorce and how he looked around in the courtroom and he realized that every single person, his lawyers, his ex-wife's lawyers, his ex-wife, the judge, every single person was going to walk out of that courtroom richer than they walked into it except for him he was paying everybody in that room i mean actually the judge i guess technically not get chris's money but just he's one 10 minutes richer but that everybody that's why he's doing the netflix special yeah everybody in the room was going to walk out richer than him except for him and he looked around he was like i fucking made it 
Because I'm going to be, because I got enough money to pay for all of them and my life doesn't change. And he had to come to terms with that and that made him a happy person. Uh, all right. This is what Paul Gunther said to Scott Bear about uh, Carl Joseph not getting his option picked up. He's responded to the situation great. He knows this will be good, a, a good year for him to go out and play good and make us give him a contract. That's the way the NFL is. That's the way it is for me. It's the way it is for a lot of other people. Uh, if you don't perform, you're probably looking for somewhere else to go. If you do perform, you're just going to get rewarded. In other words, Carl didn't get his option picked up, but that's not the end of the road for him. He can still make himself some money this year. Can he? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think if you get a guy like Carl Joseph, and I think Eric Armstead fell under this too, that is an NFL player, but he's not – you wish you didn't draft him in the first round. You can decline the fifth-year option because you're like, well, he's just no chance worth that much money. It was my big beef with them picking up the Eric Armstead money. I'd be like, why don't you just decline it and then maybe just, if you still like him, keep him for like $5 million the following year. Where He's not – where's your market? That Carl Joseph, who I think is kind of a niche player, right? There, he has some big limitations. He's not a great man cover guy because he's a tiny guy. His hitting – you can't really just crush people, but he is like a solid player. He's just kind of in the action. I do think he can kind of develop into a little slot corner if he could cover more, not the tight ends, but the slot receivers. Then he does have a role, and I, clearly he's a high-level guy. I remember me and you interviewed Holgerson. Like, he was our team captain, tore his ACL. Like, he's a dude, like as a human. Everyone loves him. So, and I could see Gruden him kind of growing on Gruden. Like, I kind of like this guy's style. He's just there early, just grinding, all football. But he's not quite as – he just wasn't as good as the 11 or $12 million, whatever his fifth-year option would have been as a as a player. But Gruden said this, and I remember, remember Lund tweeted it out, like, we think Carl Joseph can be a Raider for a long time. And he's like, bro, you just drafted his replacement in the first round for the pick you traded for Amari Cooper. But I do – talking to a coach on the staff, I do think they just like his versatility because he can play deep. He can play nickel. He can just play the run. And, again, as a backup, we all know, like, the, what would the Niners do to just have Carl Joseph on their roster right now? Just a player, right? I'd take Carl Joseph over Jimmy Ward any day of the week. So, yeah, he's not as good as Jonathan Abram in theory. I mean, they draft, we'll find out. But that guy's going to start. And they paid LaMarcus Joyner big money. So there are their two safeties. But LaMarcus Joyner comes down into the slot. Like he's a slot – he turns into a slot corner when three or four wide receivers come out. So you need another kind of roving safety. I, I think Carl Joseph's going to have a chance to kind of show like, damn, I can do a lot. And at first I was – I retweeted John. I'm like, nailed this one. I don't know if Gruden is necessarily lying. Like the way it ultimately plays out, he, there's a chance. If you told me Carl Joseph signs like during the season, a three-year $12 million deal, you know, just – I don't know. I'm just throwing out arbitrary yeah. numbers. Just something like they give him $8 million guaranteed. He he wants to be on this team. I could see it. I don't know if I'd sign him in the middle of the year, given the fact that he doesn't he hasn't played 16 games. Um, I'd be a little concerned that I like if. But if you know you want to keep him and he goes to market, the price goes way up. That's well, I'm just the way saying, it, like, can you wait till November, like December? I mean, you could wait till like January, but m my point is just like you get a guy cheaper during the before free agency starts because then there's just a market. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, and again, we're, I'm jumping the gun here. There's a chance he's not good, and you just but, let him go. But but he would be in the category of he is a good player. You just wish you hadn't drafted him where you drafted him. If you'd got him say, in the third I, round, 
good might even be strong. I just think he's a functional, you know, too deep guy that are hard to find. Now you could argue like just draft another guy next year in like the fourth or fifth round. That guy can become it. And well, way yeah, if you got this guy in the fourth round, you'd feel really good about it. You'd feel great, but you'd also you, feel fine about letting him play for somebody else. Yeah, but if you got this guy in the fourth round, you'd probably sign him like a three or nine million dollar deal for like four million dollars. Like you just give him a super cheap deal because he'd be a that would be huge money well, to that's him. My question is like, does he have the capability to play his way into a big free agent contract? Big strong, but I do think. We saw con- DJ Hayden. DJ got five million dollars. You know. Yeah. Does he have the ability to play his way into a contract that the Raiders would be too rich for their taste? One thousand percent. So. So I think the balance would be if you're him, you're probably never going to be a true starter on this team. Now I think this is where the counter would be. You talk to these coaches like true starter in what base defense? Well, check how often base defense on the field. It's nickel defense and dime defense. You're nickel, you're nickel defense. So if that means adding for the Raiders a third safety because Joyner just becomes third corner, and that would be Carl Joseph, is depending on the division you play in and your schedule, could be 75% of the time on the field. So you're basically a starter, right? Yeah. It's a little bit like when we talk about basketball. How different are the draft conversations now in NBA draft rooms these last couple weeks than they would have been 15 years ago? Get me a Costa Kufus. Get me a center. You know, now everyone's just like, 3 and D, 3 and D. Where are the 3 and D? How many 3 and D guys guy will be drafted from pick like 5 to 30? We'll be like, he's a D guy. If he can get the 3 going, he'll be a 3 yeah. and D. Like he can shoot 3, but he's not great at D, but he's got good feet. You know? Yeah. How many how many seven feet players do you think are drafted in the first round? If you had to go right now, just guess. Well, the thing is, there's some guys who are not seven footers, but are tall in a different way, right? Yeah, but I'm saying like when I say when I say seven feet, I mean like Costa uh, Kufus type. You know, I don't even know why I saw him on Instagram earlier today, but just like a just an old school center, just a, just true a big man. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how many get drafted in the in the two rounds? Two, maybe. Why would you even fuck with that guy? Do do they exist? Yeah, probably not as much. But I would imagine still a couple of them are out there. What's the guy's name? Isn't there name? a guy at Texas? There's a big guy at Texas who's almost seven feet tall. What's the guy from Florida? EC, uh, F, what was the Florida school that Danny White's AD at? Florida. Oh, UCF. UCF. Oh, they yeah. have yeah, Taco yeah, yeah. Charlton. Seven, seven, Taco seven. Charlton or is that an NFL no, player? No, Taco Charlton's an NFL player. Taco Fall. Taco Charlton's defensive lineman for the Dallas. <laughs> Taco's pretty sweet. I'd be like, uh, I wonder what your nickname would be if you're Taco. Like, if your name is Taco, you need a nickname. Like meat or chicken, sour cream. <laughs> well, like Bull Bull, right? But he's sour different. cream. Yeah, he. Quesadilla. But to me, like Bull Bull is like the modern day kind of big man, right? Right. He also is there a chance that he, he, likes, to be, never, he likes to be on the wing? Is there a chance that he's just a total bust because his injuries? Well, there are a lot of questions about how much he loves basketball. Now, I do, you know, fooled me because he likes to hang out. He stayed with his team the whole time after he got hurt. But. The one thing with drafts in general, it probably happens less in baseball just because you either have the skill or you don't, right? Though I would imagine some, like, old-school scouts, like, loving the sport means a lot to them. 
that that is just you get picked apart. And I think when a narrative grows on a guy, it can snowball where there's no stopping it. And I do think sometimes it can be even unfair to guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This guy doesn't love it. Why? Well, he was late to one practice. Yeah, he's fucking 19. He like uh, missed the bus. I don't know. Like it's not. We've all had moments, you know. Like even the highest level, like Tony Robbins, is screwed up. You know, I mean, people just the the highest level. Phil Jackson. I, I mean, Belichick. We all. You all have a moment, and I think sometimes a draft prospect, like a moment, can like define you in the draft process. But then what's crazy is it can flip. Like two years later, you can be like, I can't believe we let that incident impact us. Right? That always gets talked about. He did love the game, damn it! It's hard. It's what happens when you're... Basketball's got to be really hard because you're dealing with, you know, really, really young guys. Yeah. Like, what's it going to... What, what when LaMelo is coming out, what's that going to be like? Especially if it's tr- if it's clear, like, LaMelo's unreal, right? Let's say it's clear, like, LaMelo is way better than Lonzo. And Lonzo was damn good, but it was like Lamelo's Lamelo's a better prospect than his brother. Right. It, then it might just get to the point like who even cares, and that will be the point. But it'll be talked about like Lavar's back. Oh God. I refuse was to it, consume. Wasn't Lamelo gonna go to UCLA? Yeah. What happened there? His brother got suspended for a year, and I don't know. Did he? He became academically ineligible when he went to Turk- Turks and Caicos or wherever he went, Lithuania. No, he stole the sunglasses on their on their. No, I don't. Ship. I don't mean Leangelo. I mean Lamelo. Is he not eligible for college? I had read something like he's played pro ball. Yeah, that he took some money. I don't know. Probably. Probably. I'll deal with I'll deal with the Lamelo hype when we get there. I actually kind of like Lamelo. All right. On that note. Upstart.com slash ham and easewellness.com. Promo code ham. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.